Bang, bang. No, I'm just kidding. What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we're showcasing the apps and founders building on stacks secured by Bitcoin. I'm your host, Jake. You'll see me around as Jake Blockchain. And this week, we have a conversation with Julian from Memento. Memento is a direct-to-fan NFT platform where you can own the moments that matter. So the idea here is you follow people that you love. It could be Justin Bieber. It could be Jake Blockchain. It could be Munib. It could be Taylor Swift, whatever. And uh, those creators put out moments. It could be behind-the-scenes content. It could be access to special things. And just like in a, a social media context on your phone, you would scroll, consume the content, and if you want to own a particular one, you can click it, buy it, and that NFT is transferred to you. So, super cool idea. I think it can unlock a ton for music artists, which is someone that I work with a lot. And yeah, I think it's dope. So, this is a, a good conversation. Julian is a OG of the crypto space. Miner67, I think he said, on the Bitcoin network, which, that's crazy. I won't say much more. Let's hop in this conversation with Julian from Memento. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. You're something of a crypto OG. Could you could you place us on how you got started in crypto and like what what were you doing the first couple of years in this space? Yeah, I, I so I'm a Bitcoin OG, right? Back then, that's the only thing that existed. I got into Bitcoin in 2012, where I bought my first Bitcoin from Charlie Schrem. And Charlie was the founder of BitInstant, which back then was the only way for Americans to buy crypto. And so he's based here in New York. Charlie was the guy who introduced the Winklevoss to Bitcoin. He met them out in Ibiza and sort of told them and, and they got in. They became, they became investors in BitInstant. And right to this day, I think they're the single largest holders of Bitcoin like on earth. Yeah, that year, 2013, they bought $11 million of Bitcoin. Like back then, right? Like it was, it was huge. So from there, I got introduced through Charlie to a couple of people in the ecosystem. Like I said, he was really active. We had a handful of meetups in New York. And I could definitely say the strongest sort of Bitcoin community in the U.S. at the time. And he introduced me to Yifu. And Yifu was an NYU student that was you know, trying to develop the first Bitcoin ASIC miner. And that was the Avalon ASIC. And I gave Yifu $1,800 for one of those magic boxes. And I became miner number 67. Wow. Yeah. So that, you know, it was interesting. It was cool. I mean, up until that point, I was just trying to like push my laptop to mine because you could do that. But like more and more people were coming on. And so the difficulty was increasing and it just wasn't good enough. So I looked at mining and uh, yeah, it worked out. It worked out. With the proceeds of that machine, I actually went and bought a Lexus and I put a Bitcoin stick <laughs> on the back of it. And Charlie used to call me the Bitcoin Lexus guy. Mm-hmm. And um, that year, 2013, I, I joined the Bitcoin magazine. I just didn't stop. I was like, I was obsessed with the community and, and the way that that worked. Um, and I joined the Bitcoin magazine and the, the co-founder there was Vitalik, Vitalik Buterin. And um, I worked with Vitalik. And, uh, you know, back then he was in college. I was still in college. And he had this grand vision for what Ethereum was going to be today. And... Um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. He was super concise. 
you know, we did a lot of research around it. I was into colored coins, but Vitalik was just into everything. And, uh, you know, his, his large vision was sort of the way that I understood it at the time was like an OS for crypto, right? And I remember he even asked me if I knew uh, any JavaScript because, you know, he, he wanted to, to understand that. And I was like, why? And, you know, later on, I know now that that sort of became the beginning of, of solidity, right? He was just thinking that far ahead. And so, yeah, in 2014, the beginning, so, so the white paper came out in a six-page spread in the magazine. I'm credited there. So that's the only, only piece of memorabilia from that time is a picture of Vitalik uh, next to my face <laughs> in, in the January 2014 Bitcoin Magazine article, which was the six-page spread for the white paper of Ethereum. That's dope. And then, and then he went off to Miami, right? He went off to that big conference in Miami and he unveiled Ethereum to the world. And then, you know, it, it took legs of its own. I think, you know, he, he, his, the co-founding team at Ethereum, I think it's like 17, 18 guys, including Vitalik, people that he had met at, at, at the event. Uh, and then in 2014, unfortunately, things just got really weird, especially in New York, right? Ben Lofsky passed his bit license, you know, he had his hearing and uh, people started going to jail. You know, it was it was just a mess. It was very it was it was scary, but it was just unfortunate because there were so many things that we were trying to do, right? Like, like literally all of the startups that you see now, at least half of them, literally existed back then, right? And it was it was the same thing, right? People just you know trying to push this stuff. Uh, the ATM companies. We had a Bitcoin center on Wall Street, like a physical space, like a ten thousand square foot space on Wall Street, right? And so that closed down. It was just like lights out for the for the U.S. crypto ecosystem, but very specifically the New York City ecosystem. Yeah, it was bad. I think you know a lot of people moved over to Europe, including Vitalik, and then Vitalik would later end up in like Asia between Singapore and China. I looked towards Silicon Valley. You know, I said, "Hey, I don't see people going to jail for like building Uber or Twitter or or, or whatnot, right?" So like, you know, let me just learn how to sort of scale a, a company and add some value. And um, yeah, that's how I ended up in my first startup, my first venture back startup. And I had nothing to do with crypto, but, you know, learned, learned a lot. I think I definitely became a better entrepreneur. And my mission now is just to combine that, everything I learned in Silicon Valley and everything I'd seen in, in, in the early days of crypto to really define this Web 3.0, right? What Web 3.0 is and what's going to be. And yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's the mission at Momentum. Okay. You mentioned the local New York community. And I, I, the more I hear some of these early founders talk, they're always like a stone's throw away from someone else that's like making something dope. Like it's like Muneeb knows Sergey or something like that. Yeah. And like nowadays we think it's the opposite where it's like we're just a bunch of little like decentralized automatons that kind of like connect through Twitter or Discord. But do you think that's how some of these projects really get going in the early days? It's just like, it's like, grassroots communities that actually connect in physical life or is it just does it depend yeah i think there's definitely a power to that right like that's why like people sort of congregate whether it's like san francisco or new york or now miami right miami is like a hotbed of activity or austin let's say in texas it, there's definitely something that happens right when you sort of can make that eye-to-eye connection and just have sort of that warmth of people physically around you i don't think humans will ever figure out how to like exceed that right like we've been doing that for like tens of thousands of years we're really good at being next to each other you know yeah um but i think right like definitely corona is changing things like my team is totally distributed 
my co-founder is in Portland. We have an engineer in Nepal. We have one that's in Italy right now. So our team is fully distributed. Um, some of our marketing team members are between LA and Amsterdam, right? And we're even talking, to, we're, we're even doing some work with someone in London right now, right? So like from my perspective, when I think about it, coming from like having run a company that was like heavily centralized, like we were in an office and in a warehouse, period, right? And everybody had to show up at a certain amount of time and everyone left at the same time and whatnot. I can definitely tell you that, at least for what we're doing, right, where everything is digital, right, digital content, it's smart contracts, it's blockchain, like being decentralized allows us to go much faster, way, way, way faster. I would literally be handicapping myself if I had to recruit only locally, meet with people and like, hey, we're at the office every day at this time, let's have this meeting. Like we would be going, through, I would say, I, I tried to calculate it, right? At least three times slower, easily. Okay. Slower, right? And so, um, you know, but I think, I think you just have to be like real, really think about like the type of company you're building, but I would say definitely for blockchain, the decentralization of the team is a must, uh, 100%. What I've seen some teams do is they organize once a month meetings where like, I mean, sure, if, if you got money like that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, fly to a place and, and hang out. I, 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 could, I could see how that's good. Where I think things are going, like in terms of office spaces, like it would be nice, like, let's say, I don't know, maybe two or three years from now, you know, we've raised over $10 million. We get some office space in New York, right? Uh, but it's really for like, sort of like an open space where people aren't there every day, right? But some team member just has access to the facilities, right? Just to open up a more creative space to think, maybe just get out of their, you know, their living situation. And, and I want to apologize for the background. Oh, it looks crazy messy. I um, actually just moved into this place. So getting it a little situated, right? So, so, so you don't go crazy in like, a, like the same space every day. I can imagine companies are probably gonna like rent out office spaces, right? Just for the, the facility and maybe go in once or twice a week, but not like everyone, right? Just like, okay. that's, just, that's just like a perk that people are gonna just wanna have. It's like the adult playground, like literally, right? Um, so I, I think that things might go in that direction, but um, yeah, I think, I think decentralized teams are, are definitely here to stay. Okay. I got a ton of questions for what you're building. So I guess let's just jump into that. What, what is Memento for those that don't know what you're building? Yeah. So Memento is a direct-to-fan NFT platform, right? So the idea here is that people want to consume uh, content, right? You want to support the creators that make things that make you smile, that inspire you, and you want to own the moments that matter to you, right? And for the creator, this gives them the opportunity to really, for the first time, own their actual content and be able to monetize their audience, right? Because the way social media works today is on Facebook and on TikTok, you're basically giving away your content. On Instagram, you know, you're giving it away. And those companies only want you to do that because they're selling ads to your audience, right? So that's it. It's like, get all your people here, you know, contribute all the content you want and we'll run ads, right? And then we'll make all the money with the brands, right? And when we realize that you realize what's going on, eh, we might give you $50 to stay. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have, you know, millions of contributors. You're not that important. Even though your fans are telling you, yo, you're the most important thing, like, in my life, besides, like, my mom, right? Like, I watch you every day. Like, you inspire me, right? Like, you motivate me. And, wow, like, you know, like, there's a percentage. It's about maybe 1% of every creator's fan base will... 
um, like has an unlimited number of how much dollars they'll give this creator, right? Whether that's for merch or th their attention or just their support or donation. And we see those things sort of popping up all over the internet, right? Like YouTube, you know, you can gift and donate in the live stream, right? Um, TikTok, you can now do that, right? Facebook sort of experimented with that very early on. No one really uses it because kind of no one trusts Facebook anymore, right? But like gifting and tipping and subscription models with like Patreon and OnlyFans are clearly showing that fans want to get closer to the creators and the creators can make much more money going direct than going through a big, you know, web 2.0 social media monolith. Right. Uh, I think, I think that, that that's just extremely obvious now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like there's so many creators that you you're, you're right. Like the, the way that you make your money is through AdSense or something like that. But the friction to get people to buy these smaller things, you know, if you spend two bucks to do some small little transaction, you get more and more people that would buy in. But to uh, like have that built in the process easily, there's not it's there's too much friction there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Do you, it doesn't scale. And, and like you said, there's a lot of friction. Do you, I'm trying to ask everybody what an NFT is because there's so many definitions in crypto that once you're outside of the, of the sphere, it's just like word spaghetti to regular people. What's a minor? Why does this have value? All these things. So when you're talking to a, a regular person on the street and they're asking you about an NFT, how do you break it down to them? So the best analogy that I like to use is like a VIN number on a car. Sure, there are thousands of Toyota Camrys, but there's literally only one of your Toyota Camrys, right? It, there's a, a VIN number literally etched on the windshield, right? And so we use that for multiple reasons, whether it's for legal reasons, insurance reasons, mechanical reasons, resale, right? Register it with the state. Uh, that's like the serial number etched onto the vehicle. And so where we're going today is that people are adding more and more value to their digital content, right? That we consume, right? Today, we're like, half of our day is spent consuming digital content in one way or another, whether it's a video or whether it's an image or whether it's a digital service or whether it's just connecting and talking to people through digital means. And so we're just going to go deeper and deeper into that direction, right? And so like Google, right, you know, early on in the late 1990s actually set out to organize all of the world's information. That same process is going to have to happen for all the digital content that we're making now, right? Like, like I said, now we're just kind of throwing it up, you know, and because of the social media process, no one is sort of benefiting properly. It's not being cataloged because their incentive is, hey, let's just see how many eyeballs we get here. I don't know. And if, if we get millions, okay, we'll sell it to, to advertisers, right? But like we are creating worlds on the internet now, right? Like this is where we're spending our time. This is holding all of our memories. You know, we, we're growing up on the internet. So the, that categorization, that uniqueness, that identifiability, the buying and selling has to be done. And it's going to be done. And we just hope that it's done through momentum. Yeah. Where is the app right now? Is it, can we, can we play with it? Can we touch it? What, what's it looking like with, with uh, getting people's hands on it? So we're in private beta right now. We're trying to make the best possible product for you guys. So we are onboarding a hundred of the, sort of the top creators. 
we're working with them now to try to get you know good content that you guys will really like, right? So we're, we're working with them. We do have, you can go to our website, mementonft.com and sign up to the mailing list. And so you, you guys will be the first to know and have first invite for you know, when we launch. We're planning on pre-selling some of those NFTs, right? And getting it out to speculators. Those are sort of crypto first people who are just like really interested in, in this happening. But yeah, I mean, your audience members definitely can, can sign up and you'll, you'll, you should be at the top of that list to know what, when that happens. Because it's just not, it's, it's not only just a play on like the price, like, hey, buy NFT, resell it, maybe hopefully you get rich. There's also perks, right? So like you get closer to, 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 that, to that artist, to that creator. And if you're holding on to the NFT, right, through the ownership of the NFT, they'll reach out to you and say, hey, uh, do you want to chat with me, right? Like once a week or once a month, right? And only the NFT holders will be able to talk to him, right? Hey, I'm showing up at this location. Anybody who has my NFT is open for a meet and greet. Right. And like, these are all things that are actually very normal before social media. That social media just killed. Right. So like the fan club, fan club hotline, like people used to walk around uh, and go to like, if there was like artists used to come to the mall or if there's like an industry specific convention and they would walk around with index cards. And if they liked a celebrity or somebody, they would say, Hey, can you sign my index card for me? Right. And that would be just like, a little momentum they hold on to and maybe resell or, or something like that, that if that start got bigger and bigger. We don't do any of that now because now it's just like, nah, just make your Instagram profile, just put up some pictures, right? Uh, so they've really detached what it really means to be a fan through this social media model that we sort of blindly uh, sort of accepting. I love this idea because the, the artists I work with when I'm shooting music videos, I mean, the industry is so hard for the people at the bottom. Like it's, yeah. it's so hard to get the, the people who are super close to you think you're too much of a peer. So like, why would I go to your show? I went to the last two. I don't want to pay another $10. And the people online are just going to consume your content, on Instagram, and then they got to click off to your link tree to go buy some, like it's, there's, there's seven different layers of like, it's an octopus that goes to 10 different ways, but this, it can be one feed where they can buy one small thing, like a single or an access to their next music video early drop or something. And it's all this, this seamless way to unlock. It really does unlock the creator economy from the top to the, the smaller player. Yeah. 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 We're going to look back on this period of time. We're just going to say, man, all they were doing was manipulating our attention. Like that's the only thing social media is really doing is just manipulating our attention for their game. And I think we're all going to feel like, man, we're really fucking dumb. (laughs) (laughs) How I could see how people would get into this idea and and love it. But how do you, how are you guys thinking about like the deluge of content that's going to come on the platform? Like I want to be on it right now. Like I could, everyone around me is going to want to have these little NFTs popping up and you're fighting with the top creators. Do you think it becomes another like attention fight or how you guys think about like a marketplace or that kind of thing? Yeah. So the good thing here is like, we are full crypto, right? Because of the background. And so when I think about it, uh, so we've, we've already released our white paper sort of describing how we address issues like this. Right. And so what we say is we're decentralizing the social algorithm, right? So we don't decide who you see or what you see, right? You are literally informing and guiding the platform based on your actions. So the number of people that sort of stake NFTs to their creator pools will increase the visibility of those creators and allow the creator to create more content in the future or just reach more people, 
right? So like you guys are in control, right? Like you you decide actively who is actually popular, who's actually making quality material. And then that puts a little bit of oneness on the creator to make better content, right? Because this isn't going to be like TikTok where like someone's just going to upload a, 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 you know, or mean an NFT of them like doing a, a, a dance while putting on their socks or something like this. You know, this is this is those moments that you really want to see that you don't get to see, right? Maybe some behind the scenes from some larger project that they're doing, an album release or on a movie set or something like that. Or maybe some of those like really personal moments like, hey, guys, you know, this is my newborn, right? Like just a quick, safe 60 second clip from your favorite artist, right? Where there's no paparazzi, you know, hogging him or, you know, there's no filter on an Instagram post, right? Like it's just raw him to your audience. And whoever is a super fan of that artist is going to want to keep that moment, right? Like that, that's important. In, in 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 the way that they view and consume the art. So we're going to start seeing more like higher quality content like that go up on, on Memento simply because these are NFTs, right? And like, you won't be able to delete this ever, right? Like once this goes out, like this is on the blockchain and it's there, right? So we, we're, we're trying to curate a really good product for everyone, but ultimately we want to definitely listen to the users because if this is not what the user sort of, the way they want to engage, doesn't make sense to do this. If I'm a user that wants to hop on the platform, I want to like role play in my head what, what it's going to feel like before. If, if I'm in the private beta and I'm, I'm popping on the platform and there's, there's my favorite creator, whatever it is, it's, we, we could say it's Bieber. Bieber's my man. Yeah. Uh, when, when I log into the app and I start to follow Bieber, what do I see? And what is the process of like, I want that moment on, on his feed? So, so when you're when you're just on, we have like a what we call a, a hot stream, and uh, so you'll be able to sort of see the most trending videos, right? But if you follow Bieber, basically anything Bieber does, you'll get a notification. You'll know like, hey, this is Bieber's latest drop, right? So you'll go, you'll see sort of the NFTs. He might decide to mint retroactively some of the most viral moments of his, right? To just share that with the community, and then you'll see them sort of priced at different ranges, right? Um, then, you know, you sort of click into the video that you're interested in. You can just buy it right there, right? Like if no one else has bought it. You can buy it right there. Otherwise you can go to the marketplace and app and search Jeff and Bieber, search hashtags, and it'll show you the chain of ownership. Everybody that owned that moment when Justin made that, uh, a piece of content and you know, the, the sort of the price that it costs you. So if you get it straight from Justin, it'll probably be a little cheaper, which is sort of why you always want to just be on the lookout, right. For like that drop. Uh, and then you'll see the perks associated with that, right? Like whatever Justin sort of wants to attach to it, obviously the more perks that are associated with that piece of content, the more valuable it is, but, um, we'll be pressing for like VIP passes. VIP passes are something that we can do. I'm not gonna say easily, nothing's really easy, but it's one of the easier things that we can do, right? So you'll have VIP passes sort of to his next concert or event, right? And you'll be able to like show up. And so Bieber and his staff will know, Hey, there are NFT holders in the community, right? And so because of that relationship that we have with the artists, right? Like that opens you up to just more access to that creator. Okay. Yeah, I, this idea is so dope. I get my last question for you is, let's imagine it's five years ahead of time yeah. and things have just gone swimmingly. Like Momento is crushing. People love the platform. You got the biggest influencers or whatever you guys would dictate as success. What is five years from now, Memento is, is just on fire look like? I think five years from now, what it looks like is 
and we're in talk with a lot of music artists, right? And so I think what it looks like is with every sort of album drop, right? Or every sort of movie premiere, they're sharing the inside look, right? Like we're at a place where we sort of take over what is TMZ today and sort of like what is, what used to be the paparazzi and like the artists no longer have to be scared to, to be themselves in front of their audience, right? This is just a better way that doesn't interfere with the everyday life of the artist, right? That doesn't make them uncomfortable. That doesn't drive them crazy. Like what we've seen with like Kanye, right? Like, you know, so, so hopefully all of that negative aspect is gone because if you really appreciate these people and you like the art that they make, you want them to continue doing that, right? Like you don't want them to stop. You don't want any friction around that, right? And um, so to me, that's what sort of momentum looks like. And hopefully this is just something that we can share with everyone, right? Uh, there are stars and creatives, not only in North America, right? South America, Africa, the Middle East, Europe, Asia, right? And everybody has an audience, like, like for me, <laughs> I'm an only child, uh, but I looked up to a lot of people as I was growing up, right? Like there's, there's this one quick story. My father passed away when I was a teenager. And in that time, I got a Reggie Miller poster I wanted Reggie Miller poster in the mail. I wasn't even a Pacers fan. Actually, I wasn't even a basketball fan. I was a baseball fan. But it was signed by Reggie Miller. It got mailed to my house, you know, that like cardboard tube. And um, I put it up on the wall. And um, all of a sudden, I don't know, I just got closer to Reggie. I just felt like, man, like this is an archetype of someone that I could look up to, right? Like he was a mid three-point shot. And like I began following his career. And he just became sort of like an example to me. And I suspect that I'm probably not the only person that does that, right? And so I just want to build something that I'll, that's able to like fill whatever void or, you know, just help people connect to the things that inspire them, right? Like the people that they look up to. And I know that it's just a problem of technology. It's not a problem of whether people want this or whether creators want to do this or any other thing. It's just a problem of technology. And the way social media is today, you know, I, I kind of been saying it, it's just totally misaligned with what we really want it to be. And so honestly, five years from now, for me, success is just making sure that the most amount of people are able to just use this. That's it. I, I love that. It almost sounds like your ultimate goal is to change the relationship between like what we have with people that are famous. We, we, we put them on a pedestal with these current platforms and they just, they just post their highlights and we're like, oh man, life must be so great for them. But like, it's, it's much more nuanced and complicated than that because they're just as human as we all are. Sure. No, absolutely. A hundred percent. That, that's uh, what we want to go with this. I love that idea. This has been fantastic. Julian, I appreciate you. Is there anything else that you want to close on or where can people find you? Any of that? Yeah. So definitely, right. Definitely check us out. Please sign up to the, uh, the wait list right now, Momento, M-O-M-E-N-T-O-N-F-T.com. And yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at product underscore J. Uh, not too, too active on Twitter, you know, but yeah, engage with me. I'm, I'm, I'm always open. My email is julian at momentonft.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. Beautiful. Julian, thank you so much, man. Cool. Thanks. Take care. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out, make it out, cause I don't